Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about a film about the most horrifying thing in the modern world. That's right, it's men. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary, my co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Boy, I'm excited to dive into the debate, does Rory Kinnear have Kennergy? Oh, Lord. Uh, a reference and... that is several months out of date by the time this podcast comes out, but is very relevant now, and also probably still when it comes out. It's going to be a very Turtle. successful movie. And the seminal of Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Doing all right. I am Kenuff. And, um... Hell yeah, you are. I actually haven't seen Barbie, but it's going to be my recommendation. I have a whole bit. So, we'll circle back. We're gonna... Okay. We're bookending it with Barbie tonight. My recommendation is also Barbie, but I don't have a bit. It's just a wonderful movie. So, I've heard. Yes, it's really good. Oscars for everyone. By the time that this episode comes out, hopefully I will have seen Barbie. And I hope that I will be right about all of the things I've heard. Yes. Yeah. And finally, our guest tonight, writer, editor, and friend of the podcast, Joe Corallo. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about 12 Angry Men. <laughs> are there 12 of them? <laughs> Seems like more. It might be more. I so mean, in those little British towns... There's probably 12. I, I want to ask, in terms of, like, grown man face on little boy body, who did it better? This movie or Mark Proch in season four of What We Do in the Shadows? Ooh. Both it all depends are... by what you mean by better, because... Yeah. That's... Great, great point. <laughs> yeah. This Fantastic one point. does... It does what it's supposed to do in this movie. Which is be extremely unnerving. Yes. So creepy and weird. Yeah, I think the situation of little Colin Robinson, I don't know, that that upset me in a different way. I'm still trying to process that. And let's move on. That still feels like an AO3 fic that they actually filmed. Yeah, which makes me more uncomfortable now. Yeah. Uh, well, before we jump too much into the discussion of, of all the ins and outs and weirdness of this movie, uh, we should go ahead and note the basics here. It is directed by Alex Garland. It is written by Alex Garland. We have discussed a couple of Alex Garland movies on here, both Annihilation and, geez, what am I not remembering now? Ex Machina. Yes, Ex, yeah, Machina. Ex Machina. Yeah. A movie that's actually about AI, not whatever the fuck people think AI is now. Uh, this one stars Jesse Buckley, Hava Isidu, and Rory Kinnear, 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 and Rory Kinnear. A real Norbit kind of performance from Rory Kinnear. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Rory Kinnear does an excellent job of being creepy in a lot of different ways in this movie. Oh, Every... so many varieties of creepy. He's got creepy priest, creepy cop, creepy, creepy kid. kid, creepy groundskeeper landlord creepy stalker with leaves in his face yeah yeah the age-old tale um yeah. so <laughs> emily you are going to 
recap this one. We're going to try and uh, oh boy, quite long enough for you to Just through this movie. Yeah, trying to trying to explain this movie and all of the many many things that don't happen in it. Right. So our main character, played by Jesse Buckley, is Harper. She's a traumatized widow trying to cope with the death of her abusive husband. In order to do so, she rents a cottage in rural England for a nice little getaway. Fortunately, the cottage is special and beautiful and idyllic. I would love to stay there. And the countryside surrounding it, as well as the little town, is beautiful and full of trees and grass and cool tunnels that you can sing into and it'll distort your echo. Unfortunately, the town is populated entirely by Roy Kinnear, who many of us know from uh, Our Flag Means Death as Admiral Badminton. And honestly, if it was Admiral Badminton, it might be slightly better. But alas, the army of badmintons, who are the landlord, vicar, cop, weird naked stalker at all, do everything bad a dude can do to a woman, from sexist microaggressions to full-on attempted murder. They invent a new form of assault as they repeatedly and pointedly give birth to themselves at Harper. They finally stop the grotesque. They finally stop the grotesque cycle when they birth Harper's dead husband. She sits on the couch with him and maybe stabs him. We're not sure. Her friend, who she's been talking to on her phone during this whole ordeal, finally shows up to save her, but she's already seems to have uh, resolved her issues. But I assume there will be a lot of questions. Um, and that's men. There it is, folks. Yeah. You nailed it. That was, yeah. Bravo. It's, yeah. It Thank starts you. with yeah, a, that was That really was the whole thing. It does start with like a four-minute car commercial, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a commercial for the car and for the village. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, you know how Alex Garland loves the landscape. Like, he just loves long shots of places. You have to know where you are yeah and where you so, are is country yeah um, and i've seen a lot of shit on this podcast i've seen midsummer and all that fucking crazy ass shit i wasn't fucking ready for the russian nesting dolls of pregnant rory Kinnears. yeah as a climax of a film it certainly was singular yeah that was like the showstopper and it happened for like five minutes, or what felt like five minutes. It felt like ten minutes. It was a while, at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I that have... was like it's first like jets flying over the roof and knocking the roof off, and Top Gun. Like that. <laughs> like that was like we got to get this right. This is the number one shot of the movie. Yeah. Just Rory Kinnear giving birth to himself over and over and over again. But, like, I wasn't the only one who, after the birth happened again, was just like, all right, I get it. Like, give birth to the ex-husband. Let's 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 get there. And because that's clearly where this is going. And I was like, no, you know, finally yeah. got there. But no, yeah. we need to walk through every <laughs> fucking centimeter of it. Yes, because that's great. I, I feel like. Do you appreciate how I use centimeter because it's a UK movie? I'm very nice. thoughtful and international like that. Nice. So they, inclusive. They really like they really hammered home this they're all part of the same beast thing at the end because like yeah. it's been weirdly popping up in different places and she seemed she does seem to think until almost the end that the, the groundskeeper is legitimately a, a good guy and not one of the other horrible guys here. Until he tries to run her over with his own car. 
or with her own car. But like they roll into this. All of them have the same injuries, which are the same injuries that we've seen her husband with after he fell off of the roof, jumped off the roof. It's a little unclear which it is because the he has threatened to kill himself if they get divorced. But also the neighbors think he was trying to like climb down onto their balcony because she she had thrown him out after he punched her. Yeah, so this this last scene I think is like is really the the sort of like driving home of this point again. But like I I think the thing that's interesting about this movie to me I think is before the last scene, which is the sort of idea of like just the title and the way that that it shows up throughout and that she has gone through this horrible trauma because of this man she was married to, and all she is doing is attempting to like get some time away by herself to get over that and she has bought herself time away by spending a bunch of money but the money doesn't stop men from showing up everywhere to bother her the church turns against her the police turn against her like very specifically like all of these institutions all of these things that she does and should be able to go to for comfort and for help I, are I all can't the same man who is you know yeah. uh yeah who is I, tormenting I, her i can't believe rory kinnear cosplaying vicious from cowboy bebop using chapstick turned out to be a creep <laughs> right but like God. it's also the full it's the full checklist because it's cops the church and landlords yep and the bar and have a drink in peace yep that felt like just like a gift to Roy Kinnear, like here you go, Roy. Here on the bar, on the bartender days, you don't have to wear a wig. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it's it's interesting because I think it's important to note that the fact that everybody's Roy Kinnear is never acknowledged. Mm-hmm. She never is yeah. like, why has everybody got same face? And it's pretty obvious why, because it's unclear you know, whether that's supposed to be literal within the film or whether that's just yeah. a metatextual thing for us to see and uh, yeah uh, I, or if they I are literally think... all supposed to look like the same person and she's I... just face blind i guess yeah. expecting some kind of twist that would explain why he's rory kinnear or what rory kinnear's connection was to harper but uh that twist never came. Like, I expected that was the reveal. Like, oh, she somehow killed the husband instead of him jumping or falling. Like, there was a twist. I think I just played too much Silent Hills. And by play too much <laughs> Silent Hills, I mean watch too many Silent Hill YouTube videos. All right, so, Emily. Yeah. Do you want to do the five to ten minute spiel? I'm sure you have somewhere about the green man and... <laughs> The iconography yeah, in this story yeah. because yeah. I know I know it's okay. coming and it seems like the apt time for it. Yeah. I'm too Jewish to know what the fuck that statue was, but I did have in my notes. Oh, a very vagina having statue. Okay, so the very vagina. Let's start with the very vagina having statue because at this point we know men, right? The very the vagina having statue is has a name that is Gaelic, and I can't pronounce it. So oh, it ain't no one can pronounce that. Yeah, apologies but, to the Gaelic community. Yeah, apologies, especially to my Cornwall, you're my Cornish at, ancestors. You're good at pronouncing stuff. Thanks, but it translates to Julia of the Breast. 
Now, which is odd because usually the most prominent part of this figure is the vulva. And it's basically like a woman gaping her vulva. And it has kind of a folk magic interpretation, but it's found as a motif on a lot of stuff. So there's no like specific thing that it's referring to. It's just a thing, kind of like the the horseshoe for luck that appears on architecture, which is like kind oh, of good. Just the, the, the lucky vagina. Yeah, it's kind of a wild thing. That, and some people say that it's a oh, it's that a, checks out. I, I, I actually get that. I actually, you know, once I say it out loud, I kind of get it. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, what is a horseshoe but a uterus in iron? Just don't put women under horse feet. Yeah, yeah. The Spanish Inquisition did a bad job about that. That so, is one key difference between women and horseshoes. Although some women do inflict horse-related activities, and good for them. And I'm I'm not taking anything. I'm not clarifying anything. Thank you, Jeremy. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna step in primarily and be like, cut that, cut that, cut that. You don't have to. I think we. Let's, I think we do have to. Cut let's that. turn the car and get back onto the M4 here. Okay, Zach. Okay, so yeah, the Julia or Sheila of the breasts is sometimes considered a, a reference to a pagan goddess of fertility, a fertility symbol, a luck symbol, kind of like a gargoyle at times to ward off bad spirits. Um, and at other times, it's considered a cartoon. That would have been a very different cartoon if Greg Weissman had gone with that design instead. It was implied. Like, <laughs> Demona had the vulva power. She, she fully had the vulva power. But um, anyway, that's uh, Sheila. And the Green Man, in this case, is also known as the Foliate Head, which also has vague pagan origins, also an architectural motif. But this is like pan-European. And pan is a good way to describe that because a lot of theories uh, link the Foliate Head back to Bacchanals and Bacchus and depictions of Bacchus. Now... My personal interpretation of all of the things that I've seen is that there is this duality represented here, which has the the green man as a spreader of seed and the the woman as the vessel. And sort of the the two sides of this, especially with, with it being a font in a church, I feel that there is a statement being made with the inclusion of these characters that's not so much referring to any specific mythology, but... Now the fun. Yeah. That's where, like, you pour the wine and then it becomes the Jesus blood. And that, then you or you, 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 like, it out. you put holy water in it and that's where you do your anointing with the holy water. It's where the frog um, brothers have to run in and scoop the water out so that they can yeah. fight the vampires. Exactly. Right, 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 right. That makes sense now. Yeah. And so, I mean, because this. It's not like the Stanley Cup where you drink out of it and be like, woo, Jesus. The Green Man. I guess maybe a cool church is. Yeah. I don't think this is a cool church, though. No, this is um... a very uncool church. <laughs> yeah. So the Green Man is like a symbol of male fertility and virility. Like, yes. Just, just as we get the, at the beginning, sort of playful but by the end sort of painful dandelion imagery throughout this of like the kid blows the dandelion and the seeds go everywhere and then later uh, she ingests the seeds as the green man is chasing her with it i feel like there has to be some gay like mythology or spiritual 
symbolism to the dandelion that has pre-existing roots that I don't have the proper context for. I think it's just that it's spreading seeds everywhere willy-nilly, just like yeah, it's you know, oh, it's oh, it's just plant come. Oh, okay, yeah, I get that. Now. that yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, plant yeah. Okay, is I, coming I all over this movie. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That checks out. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah but that makes way more sense than my thing of just like, guess I don't get it. No, okay, yeah, plant come. I'm on board now. Make a wish. Next time you blow on a dandelion, like you're jerking off Swamp Thing himself. That was a leap, but I've never I'll be here for it. I just got blacklisted from Big Two for the next 10 years. <laughs> Listen, I feel like if there was a big reveal where Swamp Thing pulled back his leaf and there was just a, a dandelion there, there would be some people would be into that. Uh, some people would be disappointed because they would want like a root, a man root there. Yeah. You can do both. He's Swamp Thing. He's got all the powers of the green. That's true. Which, That's like, true. Good for him. I, Joe I being think... wisely silent right now. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the symbolism of like the green man and Sheila McGee being like this duality throughout the movie of like, yes, women are there to be the vessel for men. Like that's what yeah. the men in this movie think. And that's what the, you know, sort of symbolism is pushing is sort of like, she is nothing without this man she is you know somehow she's supposed to feel bad that her husband has theoretically committed suicide we're still not sure if it's intentional or an accident but has yeah. also threatened to do so when she discussed yeah. breaking up with him in the first Fuck place this guy yeah and the guilt that she carries like a lot of yeah. this is i mean it's implied but she definitely carries a lot of guilt about that and also this there's something that the vicar says and and i will say if this hasn't been already addressed in this in the show notes there are some very explicit scenes of sexual assault and sexual battery oh Um, yeah especially uh the last scene with the vicar is just a full-on rape yeah yeah so the the vicar attempts to rape her in her bedroom and has the i can't remember the specific reference but it's basically like some poetic ode to the woman as being like powerful over the man because she uh, because of her sexuality he Um, starts out talking about lita and the swan it's very calling himself the swan and uh that he's he, he is presumably zeus going to over overpower and fuck her as a swan is, it, is where right. he's going with that. It's yeah. giving big bad guy from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. It's, um, well, well the interesting setup though is, you know, we, we know why she's going here. She, she bites of the fruit, you know, mm-hmm. they, they tie that into it. And yes. <laughs> well, just that, like, I was just thinking about this world, like, there's one woman cop in this town. Is everyone also Rory Kinnear to her? I mean, the cops aren't from this town. They're like, there aren't cops that are specific to this town. She was like, uh, you know, I was lucky they were nearby. It could have been an hour for them to get there because they're just like, is her like, but her partner was a Rory Kinnear. Yeah. I mean, he seems to be local. I don't think she's local. Like, he probably commutes to whatever station of like 
Birkingham Stockshire or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, she also doesn't see any Rory Kinnears until after she bites into the fruit. Well, what's his face as a Rory Kinnear? Yeah, but he comes in, you, you so know, are we right thinking, after that. Are we, so I first, when I first saw that, not knowing better, I was like, oh, this is Eve imagery, which I don't know how to fuck interpret that pregnant Rory Kinnear. Well, they, but I like what you're saying, yeah. where maybe more uh, Persephone imagery, where yeah, she is now right. eating the fruit of the dead. Yeah. And is now in that world of horror. Slash yeah, because Russian be... dolls of pregnant Rory Kinnears on my fucking God, I think it's movie. fair <laughs> to say that would be a kind of hell to be in. I think that's fair. Oh, so, it's yeah. not a great time. No. <laughs> she this no. this is not getting five stars on Airbnb. Yeah, like I don't know if that house is full of Rory Kinnear blood, like, but it sounds like the whole town is just Rory Kinnear populated. So if she killed all of them, I mean, I don't think to be perfectly frank, I don't think that this movie wants to be interpreted any any way literally no it's very full tale not reality yeah i feel like the movie would say any attempts to try to pin it down and get concrete answers is missing the point yeah but but also what the fuck happened in this movie (laughs) there there are some elements that you can again it's a lot of like symbolism it's a lot of metaphors things like that but basically the foliate had the the green man like that character being you know green man! as the like home naked homeless man you, you know or presumably homeless or of the forest however yeah it, you know I you're did, supposed to perceive him yeah because every time you see him he's gotten more green man-ish like he's oh, he, gets, he actually puts he, the yeah. leaves in his head because they do the whole thing, you know, when she's, you know, talking to landlord or the Kinnear and all that, where, you know, the implication of like, oh, what happened to your husband? Like, like kind of where he was like being all too nosy in that. They're setting up like you couldn't take from it that because they also hammer down the like you took a vow and that okay. vow and part of that vow would be the procreation stuff like that through this like you know more like religious sense of you know marriage but when her husband or you know soon to be ex-husband dies it, it almost seems like her leaving there the, the the green man is in a way that kind of mirrors how men treat women in this in this film or how Rory Kinnear's treat women in this film is very oh you didn't mess up i did or i did something wrong but i'm not going to admit that and here's how you can make what i did wrong right because the the green man trying to break into her house it could be uh, assumed again you know you already addressed some of those you know content warning kind of issues but that he was coming in there to force her to procreate in that idea of you took a vow and this green man or the foliate head is going to keep you to your vow. And it's kind of, and you could reinforce it if you use like the Adam and Eve kind of interpretation of the apple, like continuing to reaffirm these like vows and, and this and that and kind of being like, okay, well, now you can't I'm... procreate with your husband, but now you have to do this. This is how you make it right. And then it going like that. 
Yeah. And I'm so glad. And it what lets the movie, you know, be still good and not this horrific, toxic thing is that, like, it's all coming from Rory Kinnear monster. Like, Harper yeah. never wavers whatsoever from her view of her ex-husband and the Rory Kinnears. Uh, Riley backs her up the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. is that... And it, again, it captures this heart that, like, like Harper knows in her bones, like, no, this guy sucked. He hit me, was emotionally and physically abusive. Fuck him. I, I carry the guilt and emotions that I carry, but I deserve to just fucking heal and fuck him. He, I owe him nothing. He was the worst, which is absolutely, which is correct. He is the worst. Her fucking husband is the goddamn worst. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that, one of the best scenes there. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And well, I'm just glad that like, no matter how much the Roy Kinnear is just, and like, it's gut wrenching watching these Rory Kinnears say these things. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. and like you say, really, truly represent these various facets of society. Class, like you know, like property owner, law enforcement, threat of like naked street crime, religion, mm-hmm. like yeah. all just the various facets of society that make living as a woman just sometimes a goddamn fucking nightmare. <laughs> that this is the give first I'm hearing of that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think we're gonna have to uh, talk with some men about. I'm glad um, Alex women got, have a hard yeah. time. Here, and here to tell us about this, and here to tell us about women, it's Alex Garland. God, <laughs> which is mean... which on the one hand is not fair. It's a he is an incredible filmmaker, and this is one bold and one hell of a movie. But also, why the pregnant Roy Kinnears? What the fuck? His body horror. Uh, yeah, I think I, yeah. We we yeah. talked about like yeah. there is some amount of like trying to make sense literally of what happens in this movie is a misstep, I think, because this movie is a vibe, it's a mood, it's a you know, it's it's a thought piece on how fucking as you know, okay, I saw this the same day, a couple hours after seeing Barbie, and as wild as it is to say, these two movies have two of the same themes expressed very differently one is the literal impossibility of being a woman in the world uh like that it's it's literally like there's nothing she can do to survive to be right to get away from these men to just like do her own thing they're always there they're everywhere and the second one being that her husband expresses like ken in the Barbie movie, that what he wants, his sole desire, this thing that he he has to have from her is her love. And like, that is like literally why she is being haunted, this like demanding of her love in the same way that like Ken is, is begging in the most destructive possible way to be loved in the Barbie movie. This is like, the Barbie movie comes to the conclusion at one point of like, it seems like things might have been better if she had just said, hey, I'm not that into you. This is not like how things are going to work. This is not a romantic relationship. Whereas this movie posits, oh, no, that's not an answer you can give. <laughs> like, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter if you, <laughs> say, yeah. if you say, Barbie's... I don't love you. This isn't going to work out. 
it you will continue to be stalked not just by this man not just by his memory but like the actual mythical embodiment of manhood realizing yeah. one of the ironies is that barbie's relationship to ken in that movie was long-term low commitment boyfriend <laughs> yeah and ken was i assume ken was not as uh you'll uh, say you'll say okay okay yeah i used to say my daughter has been walking around saying or my six-year-old daughter has been walking around saying mojo dojo casa house for the last <laughs> couple of days and that's oh yeah if they don't start selling that shit they're just leaving money on the table this the barbie phenomenon is so intriguing and so um, it's a, gonna make a bar billion dollars saw this at one that? o'clock on a friday and it was sold out there yeah. were people with their barbie dolls there in the theater and dressed up and when i was leaving i just saw more and more people dressed up to see barbie the concession stand had like a wraparound line and it was worse when i was leaving i've never have... seen so many cowboy hats in a movie theater <laughs> i since before the pandemic like i haven't seen any activity of the movies that's that intense like i Amer- haven't heard of that America Ferreira's speech got Chris Evans wheeled Mjolnir levels of applause. There was applause in my theater too for that. I've just been waiting for it to go streaming so I can have my my true Barbenheimer experience. <laughs> I just want Greta Gerwig to direct a horror movie. That's all. Like, yeah. So I assume that Barbie you is know, not. I that. am glad they made the movie though. Really honors those of us who grew up playing with Oppenheimer dolls. It's true. Yeah. I'm become deaf now. Now with nuclear karate chop action, I probably said the words "I am become death and destroy worlds" as a few of my various like My Little Ponies as a child. But I digress. I want to get back to Alex or Alex Garland and his insistence of showing us um, Roy Kinnear giving birth to himself. Dicks. The movie's and got dicks all over the dicks place. For oh, dicks for yeah, that, that was good. Yep. I yeah. really, I was intrigued by the interpretation of where specifically the birth is happening. I was intrigued by the dicks. I mean, yeah. the dicks were also intriguing, but like, I was more intrigued by like, okay, so this time it's like a, a vulva. This time it's a, a belly button. That got was. Some, got some Athena junk happening up in there, people coming out of people's heads. I mean, we yeah. got hermaphroditis imagery, Athena yeah. imagery. I don't think that counts as intersex representation, though. No, no it does it not. Do. Definitely does not. Yeah. I thought it was all just reference to Alien Covenant. Oh, of course. I just, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. So inspired. That's, that's okay. You're not alone. <laughs> That's a movie that Alex Garland should direct. Like fucking Alex Garland should should get his hands on them. The Aliens series. I mean, like I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just like the first two were good. Like, well, do we still need alien movies? We don't. But I would be okay with another one if Alex Garland was involved. I've seen Prometheus more times than anybody should. Yeah, well, Prometheus. Prom- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Prometheus has. It's not an alien movie. I'm just going to put that. I'm just going to put that there. I'm like, it's not an alien movie. There's no alien in it. There's like a a weird thing that kind of is alien-esque. And fucking 
Waylands is in it, and maybe Tommy. I guess there. we'll just call that the Ridley Scott Robot Fastbender duology. Yeah, Robot Fastbender. Guest starring Alien. Yeah, I don't know if there's ever an a, a true Alien. Anyway, Rory Kinnear giving birth to himself. This to me was necessary, and I'll tell you why. Because that to me did feel like the condensed version of every older like family member family friend acquaintance being like so when are you gonna have kids which is something i have not done and it has been a sticking point for me before and i was i but that's not really a thing in the movie like having kids that's not like it's not really part of her character though well, it's part of the microaggressions. It's like a, it's like an, a body horror version of the microaggressions of being a married woman or a widowed woman or a woman. Yeah, but I feel like or when a- you're recently widowed is the like the one time where they're not asking you when you're going to have kids. <laughs> yeah, but like that is, the, it's not just that, but like the reminder of that as a woman who has had a, a hetero partner or has had a relationship that has been expected to bear children, you know, you are seen as a a vessel. Like, you're basically the oven. And that is uh, an interpretation. Like, I personally have had, I've waded through a lot of new agey witchcraft kind of ideologies where women are profoundly sacred because they have the ability to, to, they have a womb and the sacredness of the womb, which... I think also is part of what Sheila's about, right? Is that the defining feature of this character is the vagina and the womb. And 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 in this particular depiction of Sheila in this in in uh men on that font, it was very vulva forward, whereas the green man, the foliate head, was just a face, right? He's and, the man and she's the vagina. Yeah. So yeah. you have it was also um, refreshing to me that this idea of the the representation of men and women is pre-Christian. And it has been incorporated into a lot of like fundamentalist Christian ideologies, right? And from the Adam and Eve story to, you know, a number of different interpretations. But there, the, sexism happened before that. Sexism occurred before that. Whether or not the women, whatever rights women had and, and before the common era, there was still there were still these reductive ideas going on. And it's not, you know, as a woman, there's more to someone than their sex. And there's more to someone than their their genitals. And so the idea there's that- race and class. <laughs> No, and, no, that's not the message to take away from that. No, I mean, if it's if we're talking Barbie, it's definitely fashion, and fashion is the one thing that I will still judge a person by. But all those Can other we things- just appreciate that there is a scene in the Barbie movie where Ryan Gosling calls like a trans actress beautiful, and it's just part of the scene. It's not like a punchline or a joke. It's just him calling a beautiful woman beautiful. Barbie is some of the best goddamn trans rap I've seen, and. In- so long in addition to everything else wonderful about barbie yes I, i'm gonna the best part of men 2022 
Barbie. Men, it's Barbie. The best part of men, 2022. Look, when we release this, we're really gonna have to be like release this as I was like, men in parentheses and a fair amount of Barbie talk too. Yeah. <laughs> men slash Barbie, Barbie men. the movie. We can cut that. I'm sorry. I just have Barbie oh, all up in my brain. It's it's, it's cool. It's a very good movie. It's and it's a, I think it's it a is, lot more of an enjoyable movie to watch. It's also yes. like it is surprisingly like relevant to the same themes as as men. Just yes. having to watch them both in the same day, I was like, huh, huh, yeah. okay, all right, like okay. I'm, I'm developing a paper here in this in this TED talk. I will. Um, yeah, and that's the thing about men too is you know we talk about Alex Garland men. talking about the movie men. I mean men is and sure. I could be general about men because it's punching up, I guess, but I don't really believe that. I don't know. The important thing is that you're punching. I like Harper. I go into life punching. Um, you really punch down. That's how you beat. That's how you. Oh, that's you definitely you want men. to punch down because then they can't get. And then they can't reach you and punch back. It's that's the best direction to punch. Yeah, I've taken self defense. Yeah, I mean, I. Something, something, Obi Wan high ground. So I think the interesting thing when we're when we're talking about like the rest of the plot elements, like I, I think feminism is like that's the big shining what this movie is about. Part of this, all the rest of it, I think, class, physical ability, race, Q status, all of that is used i think to show that even though this woman has every other possible advantage even though she has enough money to just go rent a house in the country for two weeks rent a freaking castle in the country for two weeks yeah, did although she's white she although she's straight she still is unable to escape this like impending parade of of men just degrading her in, in every way possible from you know just being from just being a weird old man to being a vicious child to a vicious priest to every other I, every other type there is. I mean, between what I think this movie does really well is showing how she is never given space or time. Like, she's never given time and privacy to have ownership over a space. Yeah. yeah. Even, even after she throws her husband out he is still on the other side of the glass looking in, denying yeah. her control over that space. She goes out to the country and she's got a naked guy appearing in, denying her control over the space. Like, it doesn't need to tell. Like, it does such a great job showing just how these men just deny her any bit of safety and privacy. And that's why I think the movie is powerful in that in what it is is because it shows it's the things that happen in the oh movie. it fucking shows it shows and the things that happen in the movie are the full Rory basically I don't think there's an asshole birth but although an asshole is born that would have been funny okay yes but I mean that would have been funny like ah I'm the bartender I came out the butt. <laughs> <laughs> But it's an essay about just all of the bad experiences that this, the like all the things wrong that are normalized in the way that women are treated. And you can you can write an essay about that. You can list evidence. You can list anecdotal stuff about that. You can talk about your experience personally. You can talk about 
experience in terms of a census. But what this movie really does well is isolate all of those things into this little microcosm. And I think also the fact that you have Roy Kinnear being mm -hmm. our just cishet, straight, white, British dude and playing all of them, I think is a a good choice. I think it's a it's a solid choice, especially for something that is out, set out to be surreal like this. Oh, yeah. I what I thought this movie was was I thought it was like a real Rory Kinnear had like sexually assaulted her at some point in the past. And now she was seeing everyone as Rory Kinnear. And it was a much more explicitly psychological horror instead of this kind of gay, like fantasy dream horror. Not that. that yeah. Just what I'm what my brain had conjured hearing that basic premise. I was just going to say, was. I, I hate that the Suicide Squad beat them to that with the polka dot man's mom. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Everybody hits the mom. <laughs> Maybe Harper makes that first. What do we what do we think? Because I guess it is a reveal that her friend Riley at the end is pregnant. I was just going to bring that up, so I'm glad you, uh, you brought that up. I mean, I think part of it is sort of a a separation of their situations, just a different... The fact that they're in such different situations. Riley, her friend, has her back, certainly. But Riley she is so fucking riot or die. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we I all need a friend hard. like Riley. Absolutely, but we don't want to make our pregnant friend like drive three hours out into the countryside because we're being assaulted by, like... A million Rory Kinnears that are also the police. Like, how do you explain that? Yeah, I mean, the, she does. the only like it's... my biggest revelation with that scene. Well, a couple of things. Like, one of the big ones for me was like, I was like, oh, it makes sense that she said she was going to come up and just watch her get trashed because, like, why would she have said she's going to watch her get trashed? Oh, she's pregnant. All right, yeah. like she can't get trashed. Got it. But also that like the interesting thing that that last scene provides is like she pulls up and the car is crashed there is yeah. a trail of blood and slime leading into the house you know yeah. uh, this stuff in some aspect did actually happen yeah. it's not just her imagining it which the fact that she's sitting outside playing with a leaf at the end I feel like definitely implies that she did take an axe to that version of her husband that showed up and chop him up and burn or bury him somewhere as well she should yeah. yeah i feel like a lot of that i mean and again the scene of the never-ending rory's also is is painful and never-ending rory's yeah. Here. yeah they don't seem to have a good time i'm gonna no. say no but no. now is they that... didn't have a good time. I didn't have a good time. But that's the point. It's, it's the, the R part of her grief. Like, it is her, yeah. like, the, the Which stage is this? Bargaining. Is this bargaining? Okay. I, bargaining. Part of it, too, <laughs> I'm wondering about is because we've seen, you know, the different worries uh, over time and, you know, all these different events that, that she's supposed to feel guilty about or they put on her. You know, it's on her for why her husband left her. It's on her that she's being stalked and, and all these things. And it's on, and she's got to be the one to fix it. And yeah. it, is it, and she directly caused, like she hasn't actually directly caused the pain, but because they 
the Rory took its arm out in a way that cut it like that. Yeah, that's all. Also that scene is horrifying. Like by it. Yeah. yeah. And like, is the pregnancy aspect there supposed to be that, like the, the green man or the foliage head or anything like that? Like, in a way, being like, you aren't procreating you you're denying procreate you're denying doing your part and this is the kind of pain you're causing because it's that like reflecting and gaslighting thing that has been happening to her through the whole movie it could it potentially be like a reflection of maybe something like that because i'm trying to make that make some sort of symbolic sense for why it's happening i think i think that's part of it for sure i think the nice thing about that sequence is that there's a lot of things that like it's the bottom line is that it's horrifying and that it is like impossibly horrifying and unending and so and that in and of itself represents the the conundrum that that harper finds herself in is that she's you know no matter how many men she tries to escape circumstance will birth another one you know whether they be invading her home or invading her personal her personal boundaries her body whatever her mojo dojo casa house yeah her mojo dojo casa house which do we know if those aren't if her house is not the her cottage is not the mojo dojo cottage whatever casa house there, there is no mojo in that dojo casa house <laughs> well there's bad mojo i did not see uh, more references but you haven't seen it yet yeah, I mean, I've, I'm like the only person here hasn't seen the Barbie movie yet. Um, Go watch it. We'll wait two hours and then we'll resume the podcast. <laughs> we'll do like the two-parter here. Yes. I think it's still sold out, probably. I don't know. It was hard. Like, I had to go like out of my way, like hunt down tickets for to see it on Saturday. I just don't want to go to a theater I just don't want to go to a theater, you guys. I went to one of those tiny theaters that has like two screens. This theater like is so small. Like the last time I went to see it, I went to that particular theater. It was to see Dragon Ball Super Superhero, where I was literally the only person in the theater. <laughs> it was literally Last. a private screening for me. Nice. For Dragon Amazing. Ball. This there were people. They, it was standing room only in the theater. I got out. It was a line out the door of people dressed in pink for the next showing. Incredible. I mean, I this movie just. Oh man, yeah, like that. Where I'm gonna wear the same pink outfit for voting. Yeah. Barbie says vote. Barbie does say vote. Barbie says vote a particular way. You yes. know the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so threatening. I it was. I just appreciate Good. Barbie that was all the of them. That was yeah. the intended tone. Yes. The there was a some video, some was like a response video. Someone was saying, like, you know, Barbie is is propaganda made to brainwash women to hate men. And the <laughs> men have been doing a great job of that all on their own for yeah, that was, thousands that was of years. The joke of the video where the dude's like, we've been doing that. <laughs> We don't need a movie for that, especially a movie like this. I feel like, you know, ladies, if you're dating a new guy and you're unsure about his politics and just how cool he really is, show him this movie, not to see his reaction to the total thing, but how does he feel about Jeffrey in Acts 1 and 2? Yeah. 
if he's picking if he's if he's picking up on what's fucking wrong with Jeffrey in Acts One and Two, he's a keeper. Yes. I mean, that dude, like, it's really funny how a dude that is that toxic before the whole like fucking running people over with cars and things. Like a dude that is that toxic toxic can also be that bumbling. And also a dude who is that bumbling is also that menacing. Like, I think that's one thing that Roy Kinnear really deserves um, accolades for is that he makes this character. He's just like this cute little British man still from the get go. Pretty menacing. You're just waiting for that shit. And that's not just because like I saw our flag means death before this. And the character of, ba- of Admiral Badminton is delightful compared to this guy. Um, oh, yeah. Like, even though Admiral Badminton and his twin brother or whatever are both shitheads, I was hoping that Harper would, like, set him up to be stabbed on his own sword or whatever. Kind of or kind of did. She kind of did. But it was not so serendipitous as uh, Steve Bonnet's dispatch of Admiral Badminton. But yeah, like the 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 character is so well, like you he gets to this point where with with the vicar and with the uh, the landlord, both those characters that you're like, is it is there hope here? And there isn't. Spoilers, there's there isn't. It was all badmintons. Badmintons all the way down. No good mittens. I <laughs> I think that I guess brings us to the question of guys. Would we recommend people watch this movie? Yes. Keep in mind the intense trigger war. Like, yes, go into it knowing you're going to see some shit. Yeah. There are definitely stipulations. Like, there are things that you would... There were conditions. There are conditions that would, would need to be met before I, I would willingly recommend this in terms I mean, of like, I'm recommending you, it too. You gotta sit down and ask yourself, like, are you in the mood for an Alex Garland movie? And that's a particular mood. Is this a good movie? Yes. If I was hanging out with a friend and they were like, hey, you want to see men? I'd be like, fuck no. <laughs> but and also, you know, listeners and everyone, you should always recommend things to people responsibly. Yeah. And if someone ever important. recommends something to you, just like, is like, oh, you know what movie you should watch or show this. And there's no follow-up? Ask. Yeah. Always ask. Why yeah. do you think I should watch this? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What? What about me? Because if you don't at the time and they recommend men to you, you're going to have to go back to them afterwards and say, what about me made you think I should watch this movie? <laughs> what was yeah. it about me? That you thought, you know what they need to watch? Rory I mean, Kinnear always... giving birth to Rory Kinnear giving birth to Rory Kinnear. That's I, I what mean, they need to see. I just imagine being like, man, I love the idea of people combined with leaves and leaf people. I will watch any movie at all that involves leaf people, no matter what it's about. Magic everywhere. I don't know how many movies that describes. I can't think of any the other leaf Rory. people other than this movie, but... I think there are some. Le- I mean, like Labyrinth, pretty sure has a leaf, a leaf person. Well, speaking of of other movies, uh, what would we recommend to people? Uh, Barbie, based on yeah. this film, Barbie, <laughs> and Barbie, as far as I know, doesn't have the never ending Rory. So 
think that's, that's a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. This also made me think two other movies that came to mind were uh The Witch. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of parallels there. I, I think there's crossover appeal there. And I had mentioned earlier before I started recording, um, I watched Eraserhead not that long ago. I've Ooh. seen it before, but I do think Eraserhead, while it's about slightly different things, there is a lot of overlap in it. And uh, I, I think uh, people who like that kind of like surrealist take on these sort of topics might be interested. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Pointing to myself. I was pointing at Emily. <laughs> ben, what you, you said Barbie, is there anything else you recommend? Or legit just Barbie's the way to go? Shit. Deep Space Nine, just because I'm watching that at the moment. Makes sense. I don't know. Fucking Joe. We did Barbie. Joe got the vivids. Like, I don't fucking know. I'm at Twin Peaks. It's got woods. What more woods? Twin Peaks. There are characters, there are women characters with agency in that or in that series. Unlike, Are there? That's good. I never got past the pilot, if I'm being honest. I mean, they are complex, but also, you know, they have more agency than any characters have. Any characters, bottom bottom line, have in Eraserhead. So, uh, in terms yeah, of... Un- unfortunately, trying to find movies with women with agency is an unfortunately limiting criteria. It's almost like they're trying to say something with this movie about how, like, the, all these men are shitty. Whoa. Wow. Uh, I would I recommend like the... Ex Machina myself. I think Ex Machina has some some good, especially if, if you're into Alex Garland, but you don't... I mean, Annihilation is cool. It's very meandering, and it's like, look at this cool shit. It does and, feature a dance battle between rival Natalie Portman's. I mean, it's just very slow. It's a very Alex that... Garland dance battle, which is yeah. very slow. It's very interpretive. But... I, I will say, I do think... Yeah, I just on a pure ranking, I would say I probably enjoy Annihilation and Ex Machina more than I did this. Yeah, I mean, Ex Machina definitely has a lot of elements going on. It's a little bit less of a vignette and more of like a complex character and like high concept science fiction story, which as it is a movie about a machine person named Ava, I'm already into it. I mean, you know, like, I do think it was pretty bold exploring the sci-fi concept of imagining a world if, Isaac, if Oscar Isaac had a long beard. And that jumpsuit. I feel like there's a troubling trend with Alex Garland's directorial movies, which is there's been less Oscar Isaac in every one. It is time. concerning. Yeah. Because yeah, Ex Machina but... was his first, tons of Oscar Isaac. Annihilation, a little bit of Oscar Isaac. Men, no Oscar Isaac. I don't think that Oscar Isaac deserves to be represented in men. Also, I think it the only role he, I guess you could have given him is, if not Rory Kinnear, which that's a different movie if it's just a town full of Oscar Isaac. Yeah, that's a different. <laughs> that's like, no, a actually, much, I'm kind of into this. Uh, I know, yeah. I know. I'm like, that, that that's a very different messages. If, I think that I think that Alex Garland should make a short that's like a version of men, but that's like where Harper goes next. Where after she's like, she's healed from this trauma, then she like goes to the next village over and it's all Oscar Isaac there. And they're all really polite. And like, you barely see it until like, she's like, hey, and like she orders Grubhub or whatever. And the Oscar Isaac comes out and he does his little disco dance with the deep V jumpsuit. That would be, that would be a redemption arc of men. 
Yeah, it's just called, it's just a sequel. It's just called Man, and it's about Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, we've talked about the other two movies that Alex Garland has directed. Both of those are great. You should absolutely check them out. We've also talked about one of my favorites is one that he wrote is Sunshine. We haven't actually done that on the podcast yet, but it's coming at some point. And, uh, you know, I think in the near future, we'll probably be talking about 28 Days Later, which is another Alex Garland penned film. And that is absolutely one worth checking out. It's it's about it's it's The Walking Dead 10 years before The Walking Dead and better. So, oops. It introduced the generation to Godspeed to Black Emperor, which I think it is a bold move and yeah. a, a one for which I feel gratitude. Very Alex Garland band too. Yeah. Three songs that are all like half an hour long. Yeah, well this one this movie has like one song in it, but by different artists, like a couple of different times. Uh, yeah, love song occurs in this movie. I think twice because there's the Les- Leslie Duncan version and then later we get the Elton John version as well. Um, Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite song in the movie. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that said, uh, I think that about wraps us up. Uh, Joe, do you want to let people know where they can find out more about you and, and what you've got going on in the world? Sure, they can find me on, I guess, X now. No, um, no, no. Yeah, no. I'll call it X the same day I call it the Cuomo Bridge. Fucking never. Yeah, I, it's I Twitter. It, that bridge is the Tappan Zee. Candlestick Park. I do have to at least acknowledge that X rebranding did work for Mega Man. But that was. There were different consoles involved. No, I, Unfortunately, I, I think that means that there's yet another trademark for X that Elon Musk does not own. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I'm uh, that Joe was one of my favorite was him putting all of these things that he's like X is gonna be, and and, and then like everyone being like, you don't own the trademark for X in yeah. any of these things. Yeah, talk about men. That's another hellscape. <laughs> oh my god! Again, talk about just like. Shitty men denying any of us space, like yeah. taking control over space that we exist in. Well, you can find me in that space that we've lost control over that's run by a billionaire psycho at, you know, Joe Corrales, so J-O-E-C-O-R-A-L-L-O. I am also that on Blue Sky. I don't know how many people are on there at this point, but I have it, so... And then, uh, or on Instagram at Corallo Joe. Are are you on the blue sky? You are on the blue sky. Yes. I haven't been like actively using it yet, but I haven't. Emily, what about you? Well, I'm also on blue sky. I'm Megamoth and blue sky and Megamoth on Twitter, which is what I'm going to call it. And until (laughs) it's dead. And I have website, megamoth.net has most of the links to all my little Corners of the internet, Tumblr, Megamoth, and Megamoth on Patreon. Come on by. I have a $1 tier if you want to see my art as I do that. And uh, Ben, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Ben at Twitter, at Ben the Con, at uh, Blue Sky, at Ben Con Writes. 
BenConComics.com and pre-order my upcoming uh, novel, El Campbell Wins Their Weekend, coming out from Scholastic October 17th. Awesome. And I am uh, still on Twitter at jrome 58 I am on my website, jeremywhitley.com. I am on Blue Sky at Jeremy Whitley. I am on Tumblr's jeremywhitley.tumblr.com. And I am on uh, Instagram at jrome 58 So it's it's a real, real confusing lot of things. So Dog Night, you guys can get. Everybody knows about that. It's been out for a while now. The next big thing that I do have coming out has been announced and that Titan is putting out my graphic novel with Megan Wong. Uh, yeah. It's my first my first grown-up adult graphic novel. There's uh, lots of sex and violence. I described it as an Arthurian noir, a queer Arthurian noir. And uh, it's called The Cold Ever After. It's coming out from Titan in February. Uh, so you can order it online. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. As for the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. And on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod, where we'd love to hear from you. And speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you'd rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Helps us find new listeners when you give us five stars. Thanks again to Joe for joining us. It's been a hoot, yes. sir. It's Thanks been for a having hoot. me. It's great. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being here, Joe. Dude. Yeah, thank you. Just talking about men. Talk about True. men, baby. All right. And until next time, stay horrified. <laughs> <laughs>